Thanks, Maylee. Don't you appreciate her? Filling in for Steve while he's on a mission trip. Today's Father's Day, and our men's council continues its tradition of giving a spiritually impacting book to every family. And this Father's Day, I believe that we are passing out one of the most profound, fundamentally needed book in our homes and families with this one this morning. It's entitled, It Starts at Home. And it's a preview of the family ministry that will be intentionally put into our church families this coming fall. It even has a section on grandparents, what you're to do and what you're not to do. So this morning I urge you, don't leave church without a copy of that book. Billy Graham is quite an example of a father. A father whose children now serve Jesus Christ in a very effective way. And he made this quote, the greatest legacy you can pass to your children and grandchildren is not money or other material things, but rather a legacy of character and faith in Jesus Christ. Starts at home. And building character and faith in Jesus Christ has to start with married, and I use that word specifically, a married father and mother, husband and wife in the home. You see, that's God's design. It's been his design from the very beginning. And he hasn't changed it, and he never will have to change it. Man has tried to change it, and look at the mess that man has created of what God put in place. Fathers, you are held accountable, and you're held responsible for your home. And in 1 Timothy 5, 8, it tells us that a man is to provide for his own household. That means materially or physically, by working hard and providing for them. It means emotionally, and probably more importantly, it also means spiritually. I don't know whether you know this or not, but your children actually need two fathers. They need two fathers, because if they know Jesus Christ, you will not be the only father they know. And children are not likely to find a father in God unless they see God in their own father. And Jesus made an interesting statement in John 14, 7. He said, if you had known me, you would have known my father also. That should be the goal of every father in here, that if your children know you, they know the other father, the father in heaven. And now they have two fathers. I had a man come up to me once, and he told me, he said, raising children is like being pecked to death by a chicken. Well, let me tell you about that man and that statement. Because, you see, that was a father who had not read God's manual on how to raise children. And he was probably not a father that came from a Christian home where he loved his wife and where there was a child-parent relationship 
that showed what Jesus Christ in the home really meant. You see, our home should be a preview of heaven, not a chicken farm. A couple of years ago, I bought a brand new Sony HD smart television. And I got that thing home, and I tell you, I didn't create that television. So I had to go to the manual by the company that created it in order to know how to implement the complex functions that it had. Your children are no different, and you got a manual for them. Well, you have to read that manual, and fathers have to continually read and apply God's manual to understand their HD smart children today. You see, God created them, but he didn't send them to you without a manual. But he created them, and he has a special plan and a special purpose for every one of them. And it's our responsibility to help him and to keep them tuned to the right channels and block out those wrong channels. And I want this morning to speak to both parents because, you see, raising children is a sacred partnership in the home. And churches have a great role, but they cannot do the responsibility and carry out the work that God has given the parents. We're about to complete a new children's building, $13.7 million, 76,000 square feet, state-of-the-art. It has one purpose, and that is to reach the hearts of families and children. But it cannot replace your responsibility nor mine. That's ours. So this morning we're going to look at some basic biblical principles and applications that are tried, they're true, and they're proven to work from God's Word. There's something else this morning. You have to start early because the early years determine the later years. Don't forget that. And it's like a father's impact by going to an oak tree, carving his initials in that oak tree. And what happens to those initials? Over a period of time, they become wider, they become deeper, and they become permanent. And that's the kind of initials and impact that we need to have as fathers and mothers as our children grow. Well, today, we have two sacred areas that we have to defend. Faith and family. And our faith and families are under attack today as never before. Our nation is angry. It's hostile. And it's violent. And it has lost, I think, its common sense. Its civility. Its respect for human life. And it's lost its moral and spiritual compass. I wish that I could tell you this morning that it's going to get a lot better, but I really don't think so until Jesus comes back. We are in a war that we did not choose, and it's a war that has been declared on us, and we have to fight to save our homes and our families and our children. And what you do in your home has never been more important or more critical are to have greater eternal consequences than this very day. And that 
is for parents and for grandparents both. You see, your family's eternity is what is at stake here. And the generation following us, your children, grandchildren, will be the product of what we either do or do not do in the home. Much more important than our nation. Well, parenting is not a road down which either you or your children have gone before. They've not been down it, and you haven't. So what do we see here? It's a one-way road with no exits, and it's, you go down it one time. Don't make exits that are not there. You stay in that home, and you love them, and you love those children. Well, Joshua went down a road he hadn't been before. And as he was leading the children of Israel down the road to approach the swollen river, Jordan River, he had some special instructions. Because, you see, he was guiding them toward the promised land. And he gave them even the instructions to stay a certain distance from the Ark of the Covenant as he led them. And he made this statement to them as he gave them instructions. He said, for you have not passed this way before. It's the same way with children. But there's a great promise that God had given Joshua through Moses much earlier. And Joshua remembered that promise. As he approached that time, he thought of it. And it is found in Deuteronomy 31.8. And it says this. It is the Lord who goes before you. God going before you and raising your children. He says, he will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. Every parent and grandparent should mark that scripture and memorize it and know that God is going before you and he's going to be with you. Oh, there are many scriptures in this book in the Old Testament about fathering. And particularly in Deuteronomy and Joshua, and you get over into Psalms and Proverbs. But in the New Testament, it is mainly two parallel verses. One in Ephesians and one in Colossians. And the one in Ephesians 6.4 says this. It says, fathers, do not provoke, exasperate your children to anger. But do what? Bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And then Colossians 3.21 says, Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become, what? Discouraged. You see, what we are not to do and what we are to do is clearly laid out in these two very short, simple, but profound verses. And he says here, do not provoke. That means to exasperate, to stir up anger. And that comes about with our irritating them with our nagging them, with our criticizing them, with our overprotection, with not setting up boundaries for them. Children want boundaries, they need boundaries. And a father has to very clearly watch his words, watch the tone of his voice. And in my case, he has to watch his facial expressions. And my wife has told me many times in the home when something was happening with particularly our girls, she said, you should have seen your face. She told me I wore my feelings on my face. Well, now that they've left home, I show my feelings on the golf course on my face. 
And I made a mistake early in my parenting. And my daughter is here, oldest daughter this morning, Michelle. And she was to be the little flower girl in a wedding. During rehearsal, I mean, it was beautiful. She walked down there and threw the petals out. But during the ceremony, to all the people on the sides of the aisle, she went halfway down. She turned around and ran to the back, crying. What should a dad do? I should, but didn't. I should have reached down, picked her up in my arms, and hugged her and said, Honey, that's okay. Daddy loves you. But I didn't. I berated her. I told her that I was embarrassed. God had to deal with me. I had to tell her, I am so sorry, honey. Daddy was wrong. Will you forgive me? I'm so sorry. I asked her last night, and she said she didn't even remember it. But I do. And God removed that, I think, from her life. So we have to be careful as a parent. Provoke. What does that mean here? And what happens in it? It says, lest they what? Lest they become discouraged, lose heart, and lack motivation. You're going to have strong-willed children. And it's our responsibility to break that strong will under God's guidance, but not their spirit. And there is a huge difference here that we have to look at. And then look what he says. He says, bring them up what? In the discipline and instruction of the Lord. They can't do that on their own. You have to help them under God's guidance. And they need that. It's a positive command here. He says, discipline. What does discipline mean? It means systematic training with correction and appropriate punishment. Does that mean to be too strict? No, but it means to uphold the values and what this book says. And then what does he say? He says, instruction. And Paul used the word here, instruction meant to put into the mind. Uh, What? What are you going to put in their mind? He answered it. He said, of the Lord. Not the things of the world, but of the Lord. The Bible has a lot to say about teaching God's word to our children in the home. Turn with me to Deuteronomy 6. Verses 6 and 7. And then we're going to look at verse 1. He said, and these words I command you today shall be on your heart. So you have to have God's word in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and you shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise up. And then look back up at verse 1. These statutes and rules that God has commanded me to teach you, why? That you might do them. Not here only, but to do them. You see, he's saying here that we should teach our children in every setting and in every location and all the time. That's what this verse says, this first one. You know, your children should be your first disciples. Now, you think about that for a moment. And we should use daily teaching moments and to not waste those valuable opportunities as we walk about, as we rise up, and as we lie down at home at night. Those are teaching opportunities. I think that's far more effective. And I've watched my two sons-in-law do that with their children. I think that's much more effective than having a rigid, formal family devotional time. 
because you're putting God's word into application of how they're going to live it. And the battle is here. It's either God's word or the culture in which we live. It's either truth or it's error. And look at verse 1. It said, and do them yourself. If your children should not be doing something, then you shouldn't be doing it. Some of the words that you might use, even a curse word. Or if the telephone rings and they answer and they're asking for you and you say, tell them I'm not here. You've just lied. And you've just taught them to lie. And all of those things that we should not want them to do, we shouldn't be doing them ourselves. But there's another side of that coin. If there are things that your children should be doing, then you should be doing them yourself. They should see you in this book. They should see you on your knees praying. They should know that you're telling someone about Jesus. That's so crucial. Well, there's one other part of this, and that is to share with them what God is doing in your own life. My father was from that hard generation, the great generation, but I can remember as a little boy that this book meant more to him than anything, and I can remember as a little boy he would come home after having witnessed to someone and tell my mom and me that this man had accepted Jesus Christ. Let your children know what God's doing in your life. And to teach means something more. It means to learn twice. And there's nothing that can help a father understand his own Christian beliefs and biblical foundations than trying to explain them to a smart, inquisitive child. Teaching involves more. We have to spend time with our children and teach them. And teach them that you cannot do that in a vacuum. You have to be there for them. And you have to be at the things that are important to them. And to children, love is often spelled T-I-M-E, time. It's powerful. And it shows them that you value them more than you value some other activities with your peers with buddies that may want you to go do something when there's something that you know in your heart you should be there for your children this weekend there is a powerful example of this Phil Mickelson is probably the greatest left-handed golfer that's ever played the game he has won three of the four major golf championships and the only one that he has never won and he's now 47 years old is the US Open being played Right now, today, this weekend, Father's Day weekend. Is Phil there? No, Phil's not there. You know why he's not there? To try to get that last major? Because his oldest daughter graduated yesterday from her high school as president of the class and was to give the commencement address. And Phil said, I'm not going to go play. The message that he gave to that young lady is that, honey, you're much more important to me than my winning that last major championship that I have never won. And at my age, I may never have another opportunity. You do not know how much that spoke volumes to that young lady.
because it told her that her daddy loved her more than that one championship. Well, part of our teaching, part of our instruction, part of our discipline means that we are to set boundaries and guardrails for our children based upon this book and that we explain to them why we are setting those boundaries and guardrails because it's for their safety, their growth, their well-being and that they should know that. And you see, you ought to set those, we ought to set those for ourselves as well as our children. Because remember this, as long as they're in their, your home, they're under your care. And if they're in your, the car with you, you're driving. I don't know how many of you, but if you've ever driven the so-called million-dollar highway, because it cost, back in 1880 even, a million dollars a mile to build, from Durango to Silverton to Ouray, Colorado. And it is fraught with incredible dangers of sharp switchbacks and curves. A lot of those curves do have a guardrail, but much of that road, and I've driven it a few times, I don't like to drive it. A lot of those areas of curves are right off the cliff. So you yourself have to watch the speed. You have to watch for distractions. You have to watch for dangers that could cause you and your family to go off the cliff. And that's why these guardrails are so important for our children. The, the greatest things that you can do for your children is to love their mother. To love their mother. To love your wife first. Ephesians 5.25, and you know this verse from heart. And it's been shared many times from this pulpit. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. And you say, well, what's that got to do with parenting? Well, you listen to me. It has everything to do with parenting. Because the greatest gift that you can give your children is an example of a home in which Jesus Christ is the Master and the Lord. It's personal. It's powerful. And you are to model for them the loving relationship of how a husband and a wife, a father and a mother should function in the home. They're watching. And that is so important, uh, how you treat your wife and how you treat their mother. You see, the home is still the best laboratory to show sons how they are to treat women by how you treat your wife, their mother. Watch their attitudes and their behaviors toward their mother. And you, as the father, it's your job, and you should hold them accountable. And if they begin to sass their mother, you're the one they have to answer to. It's not her job, it's yours. And what about daughters? Oh, I'm glad you asked, because it's critically important here and show them what daughters should look for in a boyfriend or a husband. Because that is what you would want them to look for. And you want to be the kind of godly man that you would want your daughter to date. 
let alone bring home and marry. Well, this past week, this article called Super Dad was in the magazine section of the Eagle. One of the few things I get out of the Eagle. And this father from League City, Texas, he and his wife have the first set of all-girl quintuplets, five of them. They're now two years old. They have one older daughter, six. So here is a father of six little children, six little girls. Let me tell you what he said. Staying involved with his daughters despite working full-time is his top priority. It's a huge responsibility being the dad of a little girl. Instilling confidence in her and truly showing her how her future husband, her future boyfriend should treat her. And teaching her not to accept anything less than that. That's my mindset every day. Oh, what an incredible, wonderful father he must be to make that statement. You know the difference, though, between a father with six daughters and a man with six million? The man with six million wants more. <laughs> I thought you might catch that. But make your home a dress rehearsal for love and marriage. And that's how to reduce one of the great tragedies of our nation today called domestic violence. I'm not big on statistics, but I want to share four with you. A woman in the United States is assaulted every nine seconds. That's almost seven a minute. Blew my mind. Domestic violence is the leading cause of injury to women. More than car accidents, muggings, and rapes combined. And some 10 million children witness some form of domestic violence every year in the U.S. And men who as children witness their parents' domestic violence are twice as likely to abuse their own wives and children. We had a horrible shooting in Washington, D.C. this week where a congressman was injured critically. And thank God it looks like he's going to recover. But the history and the background of that man is now that did the shooting is coming out. And several years ago, his oldest daughter, because of all the domestic abuse, committed suicide. And a couple of years ago, the daughter that he still had at home was being abused. She went to a neighbor's house. And this man went to the neighbor's house. The neighbor locked the door, wouldn't let him in. The man tore the door down, ran into the house, up the stairs, grabbed her by her hair, and dragged her out. Because you see what happens is domestic abuse spills over into the public arena. And much of the reason for all of this anger and violence is that husbands have not been loving their wives as Christ loved the church. God's model is not being passed from one generation to the next. And too many parents today are more concerned about their children's performances in sports and in activities than their development of faith and growth in Jesus Christ. Let me tell you something. Performance is not going to get them to heaven. 
Only a growing faith and commitment to Jesus Christ will get them to heaven. And only can we nurture them, and that starts in the home. And the things that we've examined this morning here very briefly, I want to tell you, they don't just happen. They don't just happen. They have to be intentional. That means done with a purpose. They have to be done actively, not passively. They have to be done with love, and they have to be given continuous priority. Fight for them. They're worth it. And be an active, godly leader and role model. And show your children and your grandchildren a living example of a godly man following the example of Jesus Christ. A lot of you men in this room know that one of my life verses is what Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 11.1 1, when he said, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. That should be part of your life verse that they would see you following the leadership and the example of Christ. So I ask you this morning, what is your goal? What is your reward? What is your ultimate legacy as a father, a mother, or a grandparent? Well, it's found in a beautifully written little verse in 3 John 4, which says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Pray with me. Father, thank you that you created children through our own homes, but you didn't just leave them there without a manual to follow. And Lord, help us to be obedient, to follow what you have called us to do. And Lord, I pray this morning that you will help us to realize the awesome responsibility that we have in Jesus' name. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, the staff will be here. If you've never asked Jesus Christ into your heart, so that you can live through him, so that you will be a role model father for children or grandchildren. Or if you're looking for a church home this morning in which the book that you've given us is preached uncompromisingly, I pray that you would lay up on people's hearts to know that we are a church from the cradle to the grave and that we care about families because you care about families. Whatever God may be speaking to you on this morning, you come.